Welcome to Why I Quit, a show that interviews people quitting their 9-to-5 jobs in search of something different. Listen to inspiring conversations where we dive deep into the stories of why people quit their jobs, what were the hardest parts, where are they now, and any advice for people following the same path. I am so excited to introduce Nick China as this week's guest on Why I Quit. Learn how he worked a full-time job while starting a photo booth business on the side for two years. Listen how Nick was able to scale the company with his business partner, Patrick, and how they recently reached their milestone of 10 years in business together. Get inspired listening to how COVID crushed their events business, but they were able to quickly pivot to not only stay afloat, but position themselves to continue growing the business moving forward. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, I want to go back and learn a little bit about what was your original plan when you were in school and kind of heading into your first job after college. So I went to Wake Forest University and I graduated from there in 2006 with an art degree. My focus there was photography originally, and then I moved into some design and sculpture type stuff while I was there. And I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to do with that. I mean, my goal at that point was like, get a good education, get on the other side of it and figure it out. And so I got out of there in 2006. So I moved back to Baltimore without a real plan and just figured I would start interviewing for jobs and see if I could find something in my skill set. And actually, believe it or not, I went on one interview one single interview with an engineering firm here. They were looking for designers. I sat down in the interview and about 10 minutes into it, I realized like, oh shit, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to go into this corporate world. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I just thought like one foot in front of the next and I'll figure it out as I go. But it's funny. I think from the time I was a little kid, I, I always knew that I wanted to start my own company. I always knew I wanted to work for myself. I come from a, a long line of, of entrepreneurs. My grandfather was an Italian immigrant. He moved to Baltimore and started uh, an electrical contracting firm in the 70s. And then my dad took that over. And I started working there like in some capacity, even just counting light fixtures on drawings for, for my dad as a, as a 10, 11, 12-year-old. And started working in the warehouse there as a... 14 year old and it just kind of like stacked up from there and so I saw this flexibility that my family members had it was kind of like you know everybody cared a lot about the business and what was going on and that kind of shaped my my thoughts around what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be but I also kind of had this bit of rebellious side that I didn't want to take over the family business I wanted to do the damn thing myself. From there, you know, as you start that first job, what is your day-to-day like? And it sounds like from the interview that, you know, you weren't that passionate about it to begin with. So how long did you last there? After the interview, I just called the guy and I said, like, I'm not, I'm not interested. Um, and so I, I called my dad and I was like, dad, it's, it's just not something I'm, I'm into. I don't know how the conversation exactly went, but it was something along the lines of, I want to work for myself. And he was like, yeah, but you got to figure out you're an adult now. You got to figure out how to make money. And so we kind of came to an agreement that I would go to work for him. My friends gave me a hard time because I was like, I'm never, I'm not going into the family business. I'm not going into the family business. 
when I went to work for him in the back of my head, it was kind of like, all right, I'm going to learn the ropes. I'm going to learn a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It was commercial electrical contracting. So I started as like an assistant to the estimators and the project managers. And I kind of was the gopher for all the, all the things that needed to be done outside of the realm of anyone else's job. I was the default IT guy because I was like 23 and knew how the internet worked. And so I, I, I did that all along kind of knowing that I wanted to defect and do my own thing and always had idea books. I was always coming up with schemes and plans and other ways to make money, side hustles and that type of things. All the while, you know, working in the family business was kind of learning all the ropes, learning how to budget, learning how income statements were, learning the, like, the whole financial side of things, learning how to manage projects. So ultimately I evolved into a project manager and I was handling anywhere from like $200,000 to $2 million electrical projects, mostly in like the government and, and private sector. And that's what I was doing from 2007, I guess, to, to about 2012. I, I did try to quit once and do my own thing and was like delivering pizzas on the side. And then I ran out of money and I had to go back and put my tail between my legs. As you are, you know, trying these different things, did you have a specific moment when you were like, okay, I have the opportunity to quit, or did you have a plan that you, you know, needed to make X amount of money to be able to go off and do your own thing? So I didn't have any kids yet. It was my early twenties. And I knew that like, if I could, if I could figure out something that like I was passionate about, something that worked and find the right business partner that I felt like I could make it happen. And I think I was pushing really hard to like find ideas. And then it was the moment when we started pixelated where that idea almost fell into my lap and started a little bit more organically. It wasn't as forced as some of the things I had tried before. So just getting into, you know, how, how that came about just for, I guess, everybody listening, pixelated started out as a photo booth rental company in Baltimore, Maryland. My first experience with the photo booth was in October, 2011 in Chicago, one of my best buddies got married and they had a photo booth there and I had never seen one. I had a background in photography and in sculpture. So like it all kind of, it, it clicked for me. This thing went crazy. Like people were drinking, having a good time and using props and just taking pictures. And it was an all digital experience and it was open air. It wasn't like a box you went inside. And I think at the end of the night, we probably took upwards of a thousand pictures and it was awesome. There at the wedding was one of my original business partners and we were kind of talking about it. When I came home, I went back to work the following Monday my buddy called me and he's like, hey, remember that photo booth thing? Is that something you'd want to pursue? I think we could do that. And I said, hell yeah. You know, at the time I was working on this idea for a, a landscaping app where you could go and take pictures and produce estimates. I, I wasn't tied to that. It's just like something that I had kind of dreamt up and was sketching out the screens and how it would work. And so... He called me back and was like, by the way, I've got another friend who he and I had had, tr had tried a similar idea to, to what Pixelated was going to become a couple of years prior, and it didn't work out. They got into it with their wives, and that person just happened to be Patrick, my partner 
now of, of 10 years. Patrick and I knew each other peripherally from this Halloween party we used to go to every year hosted by the other friend. And, and so the three of us got together. We figured out how to build a photo, how to get the camera quality. And, and so we took a DSLR camera with a, a high-end flash on it so we could get like really high-quality pictures. And then we were feeding the live view of the screen to a larger monitor. And then we had taken a PA speaker stand and zip-tied the monitor onto this thing. So it was like a stand with a camera on top and a screen attached to it. And then we got like a remote shutter release to trigger the camera. One of our friends was having a 25th birthday party. So we took this thing there. We probably took 2,000 pictures and people went nuts. And all they could do literally was like see themselves on the screen moving around. I think the mirror, it was like flipped so they were all backwards. And they could see themselves on the screen. They would take the picture and then it would give them the immediate preview like it would on the back of the camera. There was no software involved. Give them a preview for like a second and then it would go away and people would be like, let's do that again. And to the point where like there was conga line going through. And then so we took all the pictures and we put them into a time lapse almost type video. We just, we put them all into like a slideshow and sped it up super fast and added music and we shared it on Facebook. Everybody shared it. Everybody like went nuts for it. That's kind of when, to me, I realized, oh, like, this is something. You look for that, like, ever-elusive, you know, you've been in business, product market fit. And this was something that people clearly liked. And there wasn't a big market for photo booth companies yet. The competition was not really out there. They were There were a couple of, like, franchises that were trying to do it. But there was no one that could do, like, high-quality pictures and at this point, I'm, I'm still working my day job, but the idea was there. It was starting to like bake a little bit. The three of us were, were kind of like, we were, we were hyped up about it. And so from there, we just decided to like go to work during the day and then have calls and meet at night and continue to evolve. My wife's cousin was like, you know, he was still in college at Micah. So we had him working on a website for us and doing some stuff during the day while we were at work and we were paying him minimum wage or something near that. I remember laying out, putting together this five-year projection that had us making like, you know, umpteen million dollars in five years. I was 27 years old at the time. It was a bit ambitious, but we figured, okay, if we could, if we could provide these photo booth services in Baltimore and slowly organically grow, how much money would we need to, to jump ship? And for me, Without kids, it was only, I mean, like 40 grand a year. It's like, get money. That first year, we did like 40,000 in sales. And then the second year, we did like 250. It was somewhere in there that it was like, okay, we're making enough money to pay one of us. I was the first to jump ship and quit my job. In late 2012 or early 2013, the timeline escapes me at this point. Had you had validated enough that people believed in what you were doing or were people a little bit skeptical at that time? So I don't really recall what my mom thought about it. She just believed that whatever I did, I would, I would make it. My dad, I was working for him and you know, I think I, he kind of knew that I was always looking for my thing and you know so he was supportive of it and i remember even he would tell me when i was heavy-handed in both the side hustle of pixelated and still working full-time he came into my office and like shut the door and was like nobody else can find out about this but if you get all your stuff done 
Like as long as you're performing, you can use that extra time you have to work on your business. But like, I can't have you falling behind. And there was kind of like a, a wink, wink agreement. Like he was supportive. You know, my sister had entrepreneurial mindsets as well. And he's, he's been supportive of, of all of us chasing that. I mean, my younger sister, she makes her life as an artist in New York City. My older sister has tried food trucks and and other things. We've always kind of been supported in that way. Because that's, that's how he made his life. And, and his father before that. And I don't know if it's built into our DNA, but like it's definitely accepted. We're risking. In that first year that you're officially full-time with Pixelated. I know a lot of people have expectations of, you were talking about the financial projections of where you think you're going to get to and all these things. Was it what you expected? Did you grow faster? Or was it harder than you expected? I mean, the hardest part, and to this day, 10 years in, the hardest part is not having the ideas, not coming up with the plan and the infrastructure and the product. The hardest part is getting customers and like getting them to come back and getting them to like what you did and getting them to give it I, I mean, there was like a lot of a long lulls where you're like, okay, how are we going to make ends meet if like we got everything geared up and ready to go and now the cart is before the horse a little because we don't have the customers. I, I owned a house in Fells Point and my wife had just gotten pregnant. We sold the house and it was at that time where like I, I had bought the house as a foreclosure. Three years later, the price had, had jumped a ton. So I think I sold that house and put like, I don't know, 60, 70 grand in the bank. And I was like, okay, this can support us like for a whole year. So pixelated doesn't work out. I got a year runway of like not getting paid, you know, and my wife was working at the time in sales, making half decent money. So she was always super, super supportive of me. It was like one of those things. I knew there was a cliff, but that's kind of like what lights the fire under. If you, if you can see the end of the runway, you're more likely to take off. The longer the runway, the more comfortable you get. So we had a plan for me to quit. And then a few months after for, for Pat to quit. A few months after for our, our third partner to quit. But he was in a spot where he already owned his own, his own company doing something else. That company was super busy. And so we ended up in the long run buying him out of the deal. And, you know, there was, was some growing pains there. When your partner's partnership kind of gets blown up a little bit. You know, it's all worked out in the end and we're friends still. And, you know, we quadrupled from year one to year two. We grew like 60% in year three, 60% again in year four. And, and slowly but surely started building the company up. And I think even 10 years in, we're still like, what is this thing going to go? I think we're in a much more comfortable position than we were looking back. I mean, I remember at one point having $8,000 total in the bank with four people to pay. Every single dollar was like spoken for. And you just keep pulling things out of your ass. And eventually you get to a certain point where it feels like it's gonna go. And, and then the pan, then a pandemic comes along, you know, <laughs> and totally screws everything up. Obviously you had that first job working for the family business. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that was probably somewhat more of like a nine to five structure. How did that compare as you were building up your company? Were you building it up in a similar structure or was it different? Like, what did that look like? I, I think I took away the things that were important, mostly how to manage getting things done, manage pro projects. We used to do these work in progress reports and it was basically a way to track budgets. It just had things broken out like labor and materials. And 
that stuff really definitely helped me keep the pulse and keep things moving. So from an infrastructure standpoint, like it was a totally different type of company, but I, I definitely used a lot of that. And as far as moving from a nine to five, I, I always had work ethic. I think, you know, I, I never had a problem being self-motivated. I, I think too, the, some of the things that might've made Pixelated more successful than other things that I tried was the fact that Pat and I both had kids on the way, then we had kids, and then we both had another kid on the way. And when necessity is in there, like, and you know, like, if I screw this up, the shit's gonna hit the fan, and I'm gonna be, like, climbing out of debt forever, and it's gonna be a huge setback, and the necessity breeds the, 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 the will to succeed, and it's a bit, a bit of a motivator. It can keep you up at night, too. I say all this, and I definitely had, and still have, from time to time, sleepless nights and anxiety, worry, all that stuff that goes along with being your own boss and doing your own thing. And, you know, like at the end of the day, there's, there's nobody to answer to. I think with that, there's a lot of people that are looking to quit their jobs or start their own businesses. But a lot of times when you switch to start your own business, you're working more hours, there's more pressure on you. And so I guess on, on your side of it, what were some ways that you were able to find a balance between making the business successful and still having some work-life balance for yourself? When I was in the family business, working in construction, you know, this is commercial construction. So I, I'm, I'm, I was on a team of four or five project managers. We had a bunch of field superintendents and foremen, and there was like a lot of levels of, of like management. That was one thing I didn't really want to carry over in construction. It's cutthroat. The way people talk to each other, the demands. I didn't want to carry that over too. I was like, I, I want this to be more laid back. And I want this type of business to reflect like my personality, which is, is I'm not super intense. I like to joke around. I like to have a laid back atmosphere. I like to wear t-shirts. I think part of the culture that we wanted to create at Pixelated kind of helps with the work-life balance, right? Like today, it's a video call, I'm in sweatpants. I think when you have a company, a career that allows for you to just kind of like be yourself, the work-life balance, it can kind of be blended. We like to run pixelated, Pat and I, the way we live our life. And we like, like it to be a little bit more fluid. Yeah, we try to put in the time and the effort every day. The consistency is like very important, but like, if my kids have things going on, then I go do that. And same with him. And, and especially with the pandemic coming along, I couldn't be happier to be in a position where like, you know, when the kids' school went virtual and we had to like figure things out or, you know, my wife has gone through a couple of career changes. I can ebb and flow with, with the way that things go. And I didn't want it to be super cutthroat, but like I, I know that there's some level of competitiveness that has to exist for a company to succeed. I think we just tried to, to build that into the culture and just to build, let's be consistent. Let's trust in each other that we're going to get our shit done. Let's not have this, this toxic culture that, not saying that the, the last company had a toxic culture, but definitely there's a lot of kind of cutthroat stuff and a lot of sandbagging that happens. You bring in different personalities and everybody doesn't always jive. So I, I definitely took all that into account. And I knew that from when I was a kid, like I wanted to do things my way. And 
and use my skill set to its optimal potential. I think being just being true to myself and knowing that I was in a partnership and, and we were hiring people that also believed. Looking back with your experiences over the past 10 years, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, are looking to quit their jobs, whether it's a career change or whether it's to start a business, you know, is there a piece of advice you would give them or, you know, you wish you had when you were jumping into this? So the biggest piece of advice I would, I would give is twofold. First part is like, be true to yourself. Don't be afraid to take the risk, but like also at the same time, don't be stupid. Don't just go do something for the sake of it. Get your feet wet. And if all the signs are pointing toward go, don't hold back. And, and, and at the same time, if you're in a job that you hate, at least find another nine to five that doesn't suck. And, and if ultimately you want to go off and, and do your own thing, figure out what that thing is. Make sure that, that people will buy it <laughs> or you're going to be back in a nine to five real quick. And don't be afraid. So I guess over the next couple of years, what's the goals with Pixelated? Where, where do you want to take it? All along these years, we, we were a photo booth service company in Baltimore. Then we expanded to D.C. and then to Philly. And then we developed our own software platform to move everything to the cloud and help the management of the machines and the photo galleries and the campaigns and all that stuff make a little more sense. When the pandemic hit, obviously, events went. And when that happened... We unfortunately had to basically cut our event staff completely because we had nothing to staff. Along the way, we pivoted our software platform to work in virtual events and, you know, you can embed photo booths into virtual events and websites and platforms and things like that. As live stuff started coming back, we were involved in like hybrid events and we completely evolved our services operation into a self-serve e-commerce thing. So now if you rent a photo booth from Pixelated, you don't get people. You get a box with everything you need in it, instruction cards. So we, we spent all this time like turning our business into self-service. And now we rent photo booths everywhere, every state in the lower 48. Our market has gotten a little bit, uh, a lot bigger. Our prices have been able to go way down because, you know, we're, we're just basically shipping out machines with return shipping labels and we're licensing software. And so we got our, our heads down. Our, our company is small once again, and, and we're writing a ton of content. We're rolling out local pages for basically every city in America now that we rent everywhere. And we're going to ramp up the, the e-commerce operations so that when events come back this this spring, hopefully with a vengeance, that we're there and we're ready to roll. And, you know, Pixelated 3.0 is coming out in year 10. Thank you for listening. It really means a lot to us. We want to hear from you as we keep growing. Please reach out on whyequip.co with any feedback or if you have any guests that you think would be a good fit. Subscribe on whyequip.substack.com to get an update every Wednesday with the newest guest. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube to get notified with the latest episodes. Also, a special thanks to Chris Dole for the music. Check out his newest album, Here's to You. Thank you, and we will be back next Wednesday.